Hello and welcome to VergeCast. My name is Foster Toft and I'm excited to be with you here today. We have an exciting episode today to where I had the privilege of sitting down with uh, Noah Smith from Calvary Church, John Benson from Faith Church, and David Segrist from uh, Liberty Bible. And we had the opportunity to come together as a uh, youth group panel just to talk about our first uh, many youth group panels we're going to do. And we got the opportunity to talk about a really hard subject of teen suicide. And uh, we came together as a youth group panel to discuss this about if you're personally struggling with suicide, we have hope from God's word for you today. If you know someone who's struggling with suicide, again, God's word has answers and where we can go for peace and hope. And then lastly, if you have been affected by suicide, either you sadly if you've attempted suicide or if you know someone who has committed suicide, um, we believe that God's word has the answers and it is sufficient and it is good and useful. So we came together as a panel today and I had the privilege of here in a second you were going to tune into a conversation I was able to have with them. And I thank you for joining today and I'm excited to see how we do future panels down the road. All right. Thanks. Thank you guys for doing this. Um, I kind of sent you guys a long email way back in the day, but this is just the start of something that um, we're doing here. Like COVID-19 kind of kicked the tires on this a little bit because this is a kind of initiative we want to do down the road. But um, one thing that I absolutely love is just um, just different ministries coming together and talking through things and just trying to serve the students in just all Northwest Indiana and beyond, if I can say it though, that way. It's... um. This is a way where it's not as uh, like, oh, we have an event we're all going to, but rather we're just coming as a roundtable and talking. And um, I just know that um, just you guys can kind of relate to this. I'm not going, in my whole ministry here at Bethel, it's I'm not going to have every student be able to like click with me. Like you guys know your own ministry. It's like you're never going to be able to be like, oh, yeah, every student is on the same wavelength, wavelength as I am. One of my goals is that I believe that one of you guys are going to speak to one of my students and vice versa, like other campuses, that maybe somehow you explain something or you say something that's going to click. And because um, I just believe in the power of the lowercase c local churches working together, all for the big c local churches all coming together. And so that's kind of heartbeat behind this. And uh, it's kind of a weighty topic to kind of first start on. And uh, I Going through my list, it's um, I chose this one just because all the stats I've been reading and talking to our counseling pastor and just my counseling background, it's COVID-19 is kind of the season to where people are honestly they're anticipating and scared of a lot of spikes in suicide. And I just know personally, I had um, last week a family friend of mine, they just, um, they just lost their teen daughter to suicide because and it was just completely... Um, out of nowhere, they were saying, because she was struggling with at-home loneliness. And um, they would never have thought that. And so this is kind of the time where a lot of people with their struggles kind of intensified because they're stuck at home. They may not be able to talk to people, and they're just thrown in situations they don't know. So that's kind of the groundwork behind this. And uh, I'm excited to hear you guys really talk. I really just want to use this time of you guys explaining throughout the form of like, kind of three paths that we've been talking about through our email it's one if you had a student like sitting across from you like what would you tell them what would you if they're struggling with um suicidal thoughts it's like how would you want to help them 
And lane number two is if you have a student come to you and, um, and they say, hey, my friend's struggling with suicide, how would you instruct me to talk to them? And then thirdly, it's um, kind of broadly, it's um, if, you, if you're talking to someone or if they have a friend who struggled with someone who has committed suicide and how they deal with it. And because this is a conversation that far passes COVID-19 because this is something that's going to be around until Jesus comes. And uh, that I hope that this is something that uh, teens and youth leaders all benefit from this conversation. So before we get into that, I would love to pray together as a team and then I'll start just asking you guys questions about that. Father God, I thank you for uh, this team and um, everyone who's come. God, I'm thankful for Noah, for John, and for David and their ministries that they're doing. God, it's uh, student ministries is a joy for us. And um, our heartbeat is we want to make it hard for people to go to hell in Northwest Indiana. So Father, I pray that you bless that ministry. I pray that you bless your time today and that you will be glorified. We love you. And in Jesus' name, Amen. Awesome. So to kind of start this conversation, I'm just going to, you guys can pick off of like Kaylin with each other or just ask questions you guys have. But I just want to start with the first question. It's like you have someone come to you who's saying they're struggling with suicidal thoughts. Now I want to start this, the platform of like Noah, uh, maybe just starting to dialogue. Like how, like, Walk, walk us through, like, what would you say? How would you, like, what promises of scripture does that person have? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing that I always think to is, like, you're not alone. Like, this is, your thoughts are real. Like, you're not a horrible person for thinking that. And, like, yeah, I mean, it's an epidemic, right? Like, a lot of people go through it and are feeling that same way. So, like, empathizing, like, hey, like, we're sorry. This sucks. This is hard. And we're here for you um, through all of it. And we love you here. Um, I just think that's a huge first step in rolling with kids in that way. Mm. I think because, yeah, commonality, um, First Corinthians mm-hmm. 10, 13, 13 it's, there's nothing uncommon to man. Right. So just right in the get-go, just to say, like, you're not alone with this. But, um, uh, John, is there anything else that you were, like, build off that? Once you build that relatability, how, what does that conversation look like from the first one to weeks on end? For sure. I, I think Noah hit it well, like just reassuring them that you're not alone in this. It's not all, but also being willing to listen, like mm-hmm. ask good questions. Like, how'd you get here? Like what, what's causing you to think this way and to, to be driven towards it? Because it could come from all sorts of different backgrounds. It can come from social media. It can come from just the lack of personal interaction with others. It can come from being driven crazy by your family and siblings. Like there's, this is all new normal now, but even outside of this, like what is driving that for you? Where are you? Where is it coming from? And just being willing to embrace some of that silence because they'll probably be mm-hmm. thinking and pondering. And that's good. We we want that. But being an open ear to make sure they're being able to share. Hmm. I like what you said, embracing some of that silence. Because that right there puts it's like your whole goal is to serve them. And obviously, if they're coming to you with this issue, they're vulnerable already. And already processing right. through a lot of things. And you're not going to mm-hmm. just expect them to say, leave their office. Hey, you know what? I'm better. <laughs> right. Like that's something that's not going to happen. But maybe John, just to tail it off of that. It's like, can you like, I hate, I don't want to use a word like tell our viewers, but this is our group here is to figure out like what, like why is suicide scripturally just what you say just like, isn't the way you would want someone to consider things. Like, like basically simply put like why is it wrong why isn't it the path you want to go down 
Yeah, I, I would say the, the one big thing as I look through this and assuming if a student's coming to us, they, they have some sort of faith in Christ. They have a belief. They, they may have professed their faith, been baptized. It's like at that point, you profess that you're no longer your own. You belong to Christ. Mm-hmm. Like your, your thoughts, your emotions, your body, like everything belongs to God now. Like you know that you're acknowledging that for that reason, God's not calling you to end your life. He, he wants you to do something with it. He wants you to share your story. He wants you to testify to other people. He wants you to share what you have received, like that love, that mercy, that grace. So how are you going to go about doing that? Mm. Like God makes promises that he's going to fight for you, that he's going to be there for you. And I think one of the, as I look through scriptures on this and kind of like what would be helpful in this, like saying that you believe in Christ, like, Going to the Psalms has been something huge for me lately, and Psalm 34, um, I think, speaks to this a little bit. And it says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. And I think this kind of encourages us that we're going to fight struggles, some that we may see as more severe or less but either way, God's there with us, and he wants the best for us in that. Yeah, I think that you're to touch a base that puts a fork in the road that I want to get um, David's thoughts on is um, you have a student coming for you, and there is two camps. Like One is they're a follower of Christ, and they're saying, like, how do I make sense of this? But then right. they're also the lane of just like there might be a student who isn't a follower of Christ, who is they're in their mess, and they're wrestling. They don't know what to make of they don't have like a if i use the word doctrine of like suicide or even understanding of christ sure. like and I'm, I'm reminded of john uh 14 14 where jesus says because i live you also shall live and they don't have that saying like okay jesus like so what point so david mm-hmm. to kind of speak to that um fork in the road road rather it's like you have a non-believing student come up to you who's struggling with suicidal thoughts how does the gospel and your helping like mm-hmm. intertwine together? What does that conversation look like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, first off, the fact that they're coming to someone and talking about it is, is very good. And oftentimes I'll have somebody start out the conversation like, I need to tell you something, but you have to promise not to tell anyone. And that's a huge red flag for me initially because I'll just say, hey, there are there are two things um, that if what you're going to share with me, um, I cannot, um, you know, stay silent about it. And that's either someone is harming you or you're thinking about harming yourself. And, you know, I am going to give you permission to be um, mad at me, to be frustrated at me, to be whatever, like it may last a week, it may last a couple months, but I'm going to give you that permission, but I cannot extend to you a promise that I'm not going to tell someone, but we're going to, we'll work that later. And um, if they say, yes, it is, it's, it's one of those. And, um, and then they reveal that, you know, it's suicidal thoughts. If it's a person who doesn't have um, faith, I like to point them to the fact of just a a basic theology of, of what, um, what Jesus did and what he, and who he was like Jesus felt the, um, felt deep despair. Jesus felt while he was in the garden, anticipating and knowing what was going to happen in a, in a few, 
you know, in a, in a couple days, um, he knew that uh, he, he knew that his his life on this earth was going to come to an end, and he knew what that what was pending with that loneliness and separation from God the Father. So he knows what cosmic loneliness feels like, and he stared death in the face. He stared death in the face, and uh, though it wasn't a a suicide, it was. You know, he stared death in the face. He knew that he was going to have to to pay for um, the sins of the world. He was going to have them put upon him. And uh, he was going to feel that loneliness and the anticipation of that um, drove him to even uh, sweat like droplets of blood. And so he knows what that severe anxiety and severe, um, you could even say depression feels like, but he was victorious over that. And he was victorious over that um, on our behalf. And and we don't just have a, hey, here's somebody who can make everything better for you. We have somebody who is acquainted with our griefs and acquainted with our sorrows. Um, and it's not just, yeah, I'm going to sit here with you because I love you. It's like, I'm going to sit here with you because I have walked through what you are are feeling he he is he's able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses so pointing somebody to that who isn't a follower of jesus to say hey jesus just isn't this you know vending machine of you know make you feel good and he doesn't know anything about the griefs that we we feel there is a sympathy um and an empathy that he has in that and they're not alone in that they've had the creator of the universe um able to able to um have has experienced i like it it's um you're touching base it's uh jesus was like ultimately alone so that you would never have to be alone in the garden mm -hmm. i like the way you put it's that because yeah. it's when he took the full weight of god's wrath like because that because that right there is one of the multiple conduits the gospel runs through the bible it's because jesus can sympathize and empathize with us in every single way hebrews tells us and that's one of the ways that suicide is one of those, it's, it's in scripture, so it's one of those ways. And part of that it comes through, it's by Jesus staring death in the face. And uh, so to kind of transition that, um, Noah, the part two lane of this question is you have a friend, you have a student come up to you. And let's just say it kind of speaks, you don't know if they're a believer or non-believer. It's like you be the judge of this conversation. And they have a friend staring death in the face. Like they are contemplating suicide. They're saying, what do I say to them? Like, cause this puts you in a unique situation, Noah, because it's like, you're not talking to that person and you have to like be a carrier pigeon. I'm like, don't get lost. <laughs> like say those right words. <laughs> so like, how have you, or how would you navigate those waters? Yeah, I think really practically it's starting with, hey, be there for your friend, like love on them, like empathize with them, listen and just be there. Because I think, again, we've talked a lot about loneliness. And I think like practically, if you have a friend who's thinking about a suicide, how can you make sure they're not alone at the end of the day, right? You're with them. Maybe it's telling a, if they're, if the student is close with this person who wants to commit suicide, like maybe they're talking to their parents and alerting them of what's going on. Mm. Um, but just making sure they're not alone and like giving them that option at the end of the day. Yeah. It's just constantly reaffirming their purpose on earth and showing that someone can't right. huge right and so right how would then david to go back to you for a second it's um there's always that bridge is you have a student come up to you and they say 
like I have a friend or I, I know someone who's struggling with suicide. Like how does your youth group or the local church, like you have like three, a triangle there. You have you, you have your friend, you have your student, then your friend, all that. How do you, how do those three components work together? How are you trying to mm. connect those all you being the best care you can for your student, but also to the one who you haven't even met yet? How does that work together? Yeah, I, I think it goes back to what's the role of a of a pastor within the setting of a congregation, and that's to equip the 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 people to do the work of the ministry. So a lot of times we're seen as like the the specialists in that the only ministry that happens comes from us, and that's just not that's just not true. That's not true. And so um, giving the weight of the ministry. Um, of that day-to-day -day interaction as they interact with individuals that we may never interact with, to, to equip them in a way that is um, enabling them to, to be the light, the salt and the light in their setting. And because that's, that's how a multiplication factor happens. It's not going to happen with, you know, just a, a Wednesday night or a Sunday night whenever you have your gatherings. And, and we're learning that right now. We're learning that right now. We're not able to gather. And so with an understanding of like, if we're the, we're the specialist, then, you know, that's not happening right now, other than on a Zoom screen or on a Facebook Live or YouTube. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, 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 it's new times right now. But if a student comes to me, um, I want to affirm them that they did the right thing by sharing because there's probably, you know, some guilt in their mind of breaking trust with the student that shared that with them. You know, you did the right thing. Don't carry this burden alone. Their, their friend, you know, their friend's probably embarrassed. So they may have said, you know, if you share this with anyone, we're not going to be friends anymore. Um, you know, if you actually do share this one, I'm probably going to actually carry out my suicidal thoughts. And that's just a hard place for a student to be, whether they're middle school or high school, but to um, encourage them in a lot of what um, a lot of what Noah and John also said about being able to be there, being able to listen, being able to encourage them with, um, with the gospel, being able to say like, hey, if you need to, um, to go and talk with with someone else about this, I would like to be able to offer that, you know, to come to, you know, my youth pastor to go with to their parents. And, and uh, I, I find a lot of times that so um, I can understand, but the thought that my parents are going to be totally angry at me when they find this out, they're going to disown me, they're going to never have trust for me, which is the exact opposite every every situation i've dealt with in this is that when parents hear it of course there's the shock factor for a little bit but there's always the overwhelming sense of gratitude and thankfulness for saying i'm so glad that you shared that with us i've never had an angry reaction from a parent it's always been thank you thank you so much and when did this start and in in having the having some parental or it's somebody that they trust a lot involved in this and encouraging them, encouraging that student to lead their friend to being able to have that conversation is really, really important. I think you, you talked about two things there that I want to, John, to touch base on. It's um, one, it's where like 
the specialist. People give me I'm doing the air quotes. It's like we're your stu our students are gonna do like far more touch base with people than like we can do because they get there with people throughout. It's the whole multiplication. But you touch base on two things there. One, it's equipping. And so the first question is like, where in God's word would you just initially say, like, hey, this is the promise of God. This is how you are equipped for serving your friends. And two, I like how you're saying it's like it's the one of the ways the enemy works against us is all through deception. And deception as in like, oh, if your parents find out, they're going to reject you even more. And that's just, or if you tell your friend, then that's when you're going to be even more alone. And if people are listening to this and they're even struggling with suicidal thoughts or they know it's just like, I think that should just be a huge encouragement to them. Like that is just a direct lie and deception from the enemy that people are going to reject you or say you're alone. It's like, that's not true. It's people who have gratitude. They're going to be thankful. They're going to want to serve you. So John, to yeah. touch base on that, it's like, if you have anything in your mind of like what it says to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, like where in God's word, is there like, there's a promise and truth that you're saying like this cling to, this is what it means to be equipped. Yeah. Um, I think my first thought goes to Ephesians four, where it's just talking about equipping the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, teachers, like giving you everything to do the ministry like it, it doesn't just yeah. fall upon the the pastors or even in like the old testament the, the levites like other people also did the work it just looked different the way that support happened and things like that and, and i think that's the big thing that david pointed out like we're looked to as the specialists even though we we don't have all the right answers or all of the answers in that vein like we're always learning we're always studying we're always trying to be better followers of christ and, and i think that's part of being the body as a whole because whereas people may come to us and we'll encourage friends like hey like talk to them listen be there support them but also don't be ashamed to encourage and support them in finding means of counsel and guidance like it's not that they need help or correction but they need guidance they need people they're speaking to their lives and for some it may be a trusted adult or a parent and having that relief of thank you for telling me like let's talk about this I i'm here with you or hey there there's means of professional help there's people that are trained to counsel in this and there's christians that are trained to counsel in this that will be there for you to support and to encourage and not being afraid of that and for us to know that but also for anyone who watches to know that like that matters it there shouldn't be any shame or doubt of mm, a professional counselor or, or a professional psychiatrist like that that is scary to go to it it's not weakness to do that it takes a lot of strength to go down that road and to know that there's people trained inside and outside of the church in that me being one of the people i'm not trained in that way but I'll have connections and places I can point people and say, hey, I'll be there with you. But there's other people that are vastly more trained in this type of mentality and emotions that mm -hmm. I just don't have. You have something, David? I saw you in um, your screen right here. I thought you were open. I thought you were going to share something. Yeah, part of it was my wife was handing me some coffee. <laughs> so um... <laughs> super smooth, yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> 
It was the it was the put 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 it on mute and cover your face and saying I'm on a live podcast right now. <laughs> right. I um I really appreciate two things you said there, uh, John. Was um people like if people like me is like I hate being seen as weak. I hate it, especially like in our roles right here, just in this mm -hmm. Zoom call. We can just be honest with each other. Like we're all elevated to positions where again we're supposed to be seen as specialists we lead ministries and if you're seeing like you don't have an answer it's just like well then why do you have your job <laughs> it's just like well right. i have a job because i'm a fellow person who doesn't know what they're doing <laughs> and i think that's one thing that um is very just a great truth that anyone regardless where you are in life just needs to know it's like it's not weak it's 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 in your weakness you are made strong is what scripture teaches it's mm -hmm. the whole gospel paradox right. as i understand it. it's like if you want to be exalted you become a servant if you actually want to grow it's show your show your weakness and uh, i think that's just beautiful and it's also just saying you're going to willing to go through the trial with them and i like how you said like i will go through it with you For like sure. i don't have the answers but i want to go with you through it and that right there is just saying like hey i'm willing to go through the fire with you and you're not alone and uh, it's yeah, true yeah. so to go back then to kind of the third lane John, what do you think? The devastating news, it's you have someone who are sitting with you. Again, it's they've been affected by this. Like this is the lane that everyone in this group to beyond never wants to be in. That someone that they care about or they see someone who they care about, it's someone who's been affected by suicide. It's then that they have to then deal with this weight because there's so many multifacets. David said it's like it's a burden. It's so many things, guilt. Um, just it's initially, what would you again? What's your posture through this? What would you say? The similar things and letting people know we're we're in that fire with them. Um, I mean, even just for myself, reflecting on this a year after I graduated high school, I had a close friend, played some sports together, talked, knew each other, committed suicide. And it's just like, whoa, didn't see that coming, didn't know, and then just kind of like learn some of the background of it later. It's like, how could I have been so close and not known that? Like, it, it is something that we view as a weakness that it's like, if I share this, am I going to get looked down on? If I share this, is someone going to pour on shame on me? If I share this, could things get worse? And it shouldn't be that way. And to lose a friend like that, it's like, okay, what, what do I do to get through this? Like, what does that look like? And it's being in community. It's not isolating yourself. It's not making sure you're alone. It's, it's being with others and letting them know you're, you're hurt, like you're struggling and walking through it together because the best support you're going to get is from people around you. It, it's not, it's going to take a lot to come from yourself or just to isolate is going to hurt. I think um, you're touching base on a really practical thing that you're saying like, whoa, where'd that come from? I didn't know. I think practically that teaches us that um, you never know what someone's going through. And so what that, that causes us to do is it makes us really mindful of the words we say and how intentional we are with people. And um, just, I know myself, it's just like, if I am, um, trying to lose my quarantine 15 <laughs> being stuck inside it's nuts and if i try to lose it someone comes up to me and says hey man your your uh, muffin top's looking great i might be sitting there saying you don't understand i've tried so hard to lose this and it's like because it's like 
you can't blame them. Yeah. It's like they don't know. They're just teasing around and all that. But practically, if we if we walk back, I know like me when I'm in high school, we all can think back of just even today, like the whole just insert foot in mouth moments. It's just like there's so many foot in mouth moments we don't actually know we ever do. And so it's I love like in uh, Ephesians four twenty nine. It's like no no corrupting talk because sometimes corrupting talk is just I love the show The Office because it's sarcasm. I love it. But sometimes it's like sarcasm can just yep. put scars on people, especially when you don't know like their struggle they're going through. So a lot of this conversation and just people who struggle with suicide comes through just how are we just being intentional and in knowing people and their struggles and everything and how are we going to talk to them? And so, Dan, I want to just um, – with the, to end this kind of question before we wrap up, it's like if you have any concluding thoughts that you're saying, like you have someone in front of you who's been through the fire with this, just like what encouraging notes would you want to say to them? Yeah, I know that there's a lot of guilt with, you know, especially a believer who's going through suicidal thoughts because they're like, I just don't, I may not feel mm -hmm. like I have enough faith. Am I really saved? Am I really a follower of Jesus? And there's a lot of guilt in that. And so, what my mind goes to is I think of like, you know, they, they might be feeding themselves with First Peter 5, you know, 6, you know, uh, through 11, where it says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he would exalt you. And it's like, here's the warning, be sober minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, resist him firm in your faith. And they're like, I don't know if I have that faith at this moment. And then I, I, I encourage them with, uh, you know, 2 Timothy 2.13, it says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. And um, there's that whole understanding of, you know, hey, you're not denying Christ. You, that, like we all go through um, valleys and, and uh, mountaintops, and there's times where it's just hard to be faithful and hard to have that faith. And, um, you know, Christ remains faithful. God remains faithful, even when we may not feel like we're able to take up that, take up that, um, that boulder of, of faith. And, and uh, we're feeling like we're being crushed by it other than standing up on top of it. And, uh, and it says, but um, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by, you know, the, the brotherhood throughout the world. And, and it's, it's, it's pushing to that next um, portion of scripture. And like, after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, um, it doesn't say the God of all wrath. It doesn't say the God of all judgment. It says the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And uh, that's, a, that's a really big, that's a really big promise. That's a really big hope. And, um, and so pushing them to, to recognizing that, you know, your lack of faith doesn't mean that you have a lack of relationship. Um, we go through that time. We go through it. Like I've, I've gone through that time where it's like, I don't even know if I'm going to, to be able to, to wake up and keep on doing what I'm doing. Um, but there is that understanding that when we are faithless, he remains faithful. Um, and so it's not about, um, I just like using the I'm going to botch it. I like using the, the quote. It's not the, it's not the quality of your faith that saves you. It's the object of your faith that saves yep. you. And um, I love that. I love that. I think like that, that is beautiful. Like anyone hearing that, I just remind, I think it's Mark eight. It's in, it's um, 
Jairus when his daughter's dying. He says, what? It's like, if he goes up to Jesus, says, Jesus, if you can heal, he says, if, if I can heal, he says, yeah. he says, do you not believe? He says, I believe, help my unbelief. And because yeah. like so often, I think you're nailing it on the head, David. It's, um, we have this idea of like, I like it what um, John and Noah and you're saying, it's like, we have this idea, like we look to people as like, if I don't have faith like that, then I don't, I must not have faith. I'm weak. But there's a reason why Jesus says yeah. faith the size of a mustard seed <laughs> scripture. And our faith is never intended to be compared to someone else's. It's always just the object of who you trust in. Because if you compare your faith, like if I were to compare my faith right now to David, I'd be like, man, I am just nothing, man. <laughs> I, I sit there that. and it's like, goodness, but it was never intended that way. And uh, so I just, I can't say enough how much I appreciate you guys coming on here. I think you guys, again, nailed it on the head. Just how you guys have just talked through just, I know Verge students are going to benefit from this. I hope you guys are students just as we talk through everything. It's just, just to kind of conclude, it's just like one, just like, we're not, when I say the words, we're not specialists. It's like, we can't, I like to say the phrase, like, I know a guy who is, and that's Jesus Christ. And he's the one who's like, he loves you more than you understand. He cares for you. And it's like, I can show you a guy. And um, that's someone who we get to serve. And it's amazing. So I'm thankful. And um, it's incredible. And so I hope you guys have a good rest of the day in quarantine. And whatever you're going to do. And uh, we, we got to stay in touch. All right.